Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is a man who, just because he's from Oklahoma, doesn't make him a bad person, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? Matt, I'm great, and you know you're right. I'm not a bad person. If you Most don't think <laughs> if you don't think Zach is a bad person, why don't you tell him at Roman Circus Pod? I'm at Hey It's Matt Baker, or you can tell Zach directly at Zach Mabry Z A C Mabry. Email us podcast at RomanCircusBlog.com. We're on Patreon, Patreon.com/RomanCircusPod. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and we are most anywhere else podcasts are. Zach, what's going on? How was your weekend? What's in the news? Answer all those questions at your leisure in any order you want. Um, you know, things are great. Um, things for me, uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm preparing for tax season, so that's my personal news. Is that you know, hey, um, I, you know, really excited about the some of these new. Uh, processes that are coming out that are making things automated um a lot of people are like wait so if you're an accountant like do you not like to see people have their taxes automated and that stuff and for me it's the opposite i'm like well no like my job's to you know be on my client's team so yeah if we can make it easier and, and cheaper and more painless for the client i'm for it so um yeah, on that yeah. front all good they're like team right like i don't want to be a robot so if robots can do the main job then you know just hey. as, just as long as you're part of the team right 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 i mean I, I obviously need need to be need to be in there all up in that but you know exciting very exciting nothing is more exciting than the work of an accountant it's fun stuff, okay? Like I tell people, if and everyone who's done taxes, like the things that impact your taxes year to year are like, did you get married? Did you have a kid? Did you move? Did you get a new job? So, I mean, I get to hear about the highlights of people's year. You know, I probably yeah. don't get the, like, the amazing candid moments that you get, like, in your former line of work at hotels, because I feel like in true Kanye form, like, people are only really at home on vacation, um, but oh yeah, I got to I got to know people at their best and their worst. Yes. Um. So, you know, how many people would show up and they'd like hand you their keys and you'd be like, you should not be driving. Uh, not a t- well because they're dumb or they're drunk. Um, like they shouldn't be out on the roads because their their mental state is just a threat to human existence. Or yes. because they're intoxicated. Uh, not really. Honestly, the intoxication stuff didn't pop up at the hotel a lot with people driving, luckily. Uh, every now and then we would have to deny people some keys. But uh, actually, it turned, pe- most people were pretty good about it. Like they would come up, they'd come to the hotel and they'd want their car out of LA and then they'd take a second and be like, actually, I'm too drunk and they would get an Uber. So it was actually kind of nice. That's fair. Gotta love Uber. Keeping our streets safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so we talked about uh, 
on Twitter, if, if you're on there with us, we, we talk a lot about how we had Sorab Amari on the podcast, and then after after he became a good guy, but also slash a bad guy. Like, it was a very polarizing year for Sorab after he came on our podcast. Uh, and one of the reasons he came on, he, he did a thing about uh, Drag Queen Story Hour. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that the trickle-down effect of Roman Circus podcast, Zach, continues to happen because apparently the drag queen economy is booming did you did you see this did you hear about this no hollywood is finally catching on to the booming drag queen economy so they uh they it it's just an article that talk mainly it talks about rupaul's drag race and it uh and it talks about how uh, drag queens are so hot right now. Like in what sense? Like purchasing them, or like drag queen memorabilia, or like the uh, clothing and the, equipment that one needs to to maybe, be a drag queen. Maybe just the idea. You know how these things go. Like they is it like the midget party lady? Have we ever talked about that on the podcast? I don't know about about your Matt's hair lady, coolest lady I've ever met. No, she's threw great, a, but she she also threw a midget themed party. Yeah, Zach came out to LA once, and I had to go get a haircut, uh, and he came with me. And at this appointment where I got my haircut by the lady who had cut my hair, great lady, she talked about she was all excited because she found out you could rent midgets for parties. And I'm not joking about that. She and by rent, real- it's like, you know, hire them. Like, you know, like people do appearances, like clowns, but that's weird. Magicians. Yeah, little little, little people, little people. Uh, hiring. That She got all excited because you could do that. And uh, I actually forgot about that. And Zach continues to remind me about it, which I'm thankful for. So... Uh, one one guy here going back. Sorry, Zach. Let's get back to the drag queens. Let's not. Let's get back to the topic at hand. Uh, one of this little piece in this article talks about how this guy says all his drag clients are making more than five hundred thousand dollars a year, and then so, some of them are making close to a million dollars in endorsement deals now. What? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how truthful this is, or if this is. Uh, they have like a oh drag con, obviously a convention. Well, that surprise you. Everything has its everything has a con now. Yeah, everything is a con or has a con. Uh, this could be one of those things where it's in the Hollywood Reporter, Zach. So it's the lo- the it's the rag, you know the the movie rag. So they you know they're trying to hype these things up. So who knows how much of this is propaganda or how much of it? Because when they really when you want to push something, the best way is to you know give it a good give it a good write-up in some publication right so oh yeah yeah um it uh yeah so there's this basically when a reason i brought this up is because it's the trickle down uh trickle down roman circus anomics like trickle down economics trickle down, where, okay yeah yeah, yeah. trumped yes. up trickle down economics yeah so it started with us we gave some to sorab sorab brought the drag queens into it and they're thriving so basically uh yeah it it fits it's a through line that starts with us so right excellent excellent 
Yeah, that's what I got in the news. What what's going on? What uh, have you seen any news that's really interested to you? Um, you know, I, I think some just the continued kind of mental decay that's taking place with Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the video of him talking about how like kids at the pool like to splash water on his legs? and smooth all of his leg hair down and then as it dried and the 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 hairs popped back out Mm -hmm. and they'd like to watch that it's like totally something you say in a speech (laughs) yeah no i i thought it sounded at the beginning sounded a lot like a bill cosby routine I mean, I, like, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I do, I do that to myself. Like, when I'm at the pool and I'm like sitting yeah. at the pool, you like put your leg in, and then yeah, like all your leg hair goes. See, see, women don't get to experience this um, because of Western beauty standards. But you, uh, yeah, and then it, it all just kind of gradually pops out as it, as it dries and you know curls back out. Should I play it? Yeah. Do you have the audio? Yeah, I have it here. Let's do it. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. And I tell you what. And I love and I love kids. Yeah. It uh I like where how did, he, uh, he's telling this crazy story. Come? He's telling this crazy story and he brings it back to like this thing at the end and he says it in a way where you're like, "Yeah, man. Total. Yeah." I, that was a that was a lovely story. It was just odd cuz like for okay, it's obviously very cringe the whole thing. And mm. um so then um so that happens but then also like well i'm assuming maybe in context there was something else about roaches because he just throws that that thing in about roaches um yeah which is odd but uh, yeah it, it, I, again like does he seem to have all of his faculties i you know i to me I, i'm gonna have to say no um, well, yeah, the the this was another thing. What's the thing they everyone accused AOC and people of talking differently when they're around different groups of people? Coding? Oh yeah, when the AOC was like, I can't remember what she said. It was, but it was, she started doing. Um, she started talking with what we called growing up uh, a black scent. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, but that's what Joe Biden does in this. Like he's in the video, he's surrounded by young black kids so he's clearly i got them hairy legs yeah yeah he basically (laughs) is just it's like another corn pop thing he's just corn he's bringing corn pop back into it was that from the same speech because it did look like a similar venue and that's what i was wondering i was like is this one of those like this has been out there and then it's just now getting play i don't know it had i i don't know he but you know it makes for good content and i'm glad that he keeps i hope that he i hope that he stays in and goes as far as possible for the content zach yeah, you know. Yeah, so that's you hate that. To see it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, well, one we should pray for him, but also like we need to. Somebody needs to have him retire. I mean, he's a sick old man. I feel terrible. Um, so mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Another thing that I noticed about the trickle-down effect of our podcast is that um, everyone seems to have realized how creepy the Peloton ad was. Oh, yeah. That, that you, again, one of those things. We, we, we're not saying we're, we start movements here. We're just saying, look at the numbers. Look at the, look at the facts. And we, you, you dropped a, you dropped a tweet and a line on the podcast about Peloton and it's, it's picking up steam. Get your big fat wife a Peloton. I mean, really, somebody said they showed a picture of the wife on the bike from the commercial and was like, this is what Stockholm syndrome looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's true. We're just... We're tastemakers. We make tastes over here, right? It's like this is the biggest commercial flop since what? There's either the uh, Kim Kardashian calling her underwear line kimono. That didn't go over well. Um, Which saved me from calling um, my my products. I was going to call them Mexacan, but uh, thankfully, after seeing how that (laughs) went for Kim, I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, There was... Wow, have all the bad commercials been from that family? Because I was like, there was the Kylie Jenner Pepsi solves police brutality. Commercial. Oh, that was good. Just give the give the cop a Pepsi and everything's okay, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what were the other commercials that were like, or the other things like this that were just such a big flop. Hmm. I can't really remember uh, any. Uh. Let's see. Yeah, I can look. There's a bunch of random ones, but it seems like, you know, but they're getting a lot of free, they're getting a lot of free press out of it. I mean, we have millions of listeners and uh, Twitter has millions of people who do Twitter. Right. So. I will say that uh, that as far as awareness of a product, if you think about it that way, Peloton did obviously uh, accomplish that objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we all know about a lot of people who didn't know about Peloton, the the sort of weird cultish bike thing. Um, now do though I will say I have friends that are fitness instructors. It's like their side hustle. Um, and I want to be like, so guys, is uh, is Peloton like y'all's version of TurboTax? Like it's it's about to put y'all out of business the way that it did <laughs> a lot of accountants. Mm-hmm. But that you know, they just need to be part of a team like you are part of part of a team. And part of just a team. get on that team. Exactly, get yeah. on my team. Like I, I put the get team on. on my back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a reference. <laughs> it's a reference. Remember that reference? Most of the time, most of the time, I remember your your references. Um, the president's also in uh, in the uk and i guess he's been asked questions about a few people one of them being prince andrew and he's like i don't know him (laughs) yeah and of course then pictures came out of him with prince andrew because we all know anyone you stood next to you know but then they also asked him about um is it jeremy corbyn who has been in trouble for anti-semitism even though to me most of the stuff doesn't really hold up uh and he's just like i don't know him i don't know anything about him (laughs) Uh, it's good. Just, just, uh, he just said, straight up say no. When asked about Prince Andrew, he said, I don't know the gentleman. I don't know Prince Andrew, but it's a very tough story. A very tough story. That's basically what I said on our, was that our premium podcast when I was explaining, like when you're kind of a figurehead, you, you 
you just have to go to these events and you obviously end up shaking hands with people that end up being monsters. Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of monsters out there. Well, yeah, want, a lot of non-monsters have sh- have shook their hands. Right. Is that how you become, is that how you catch monster disease? Yeah, is, is monster, is being a, a horrible person, is that, um... You, is it contagious? Can you pass it yeah, on? Yeah, can you catch, and it, is, is it open air or not? Yeah. Um, that's the big question. Yeah, that is a big question. Uh, you know, we'll be, mo- we'll be monitoring that situation, uh, as it progresses anyway you want to talk about what we're going to talk about today uh yeah let's talk so we <laughs> okay let's talk let's are you in an emotional what if I, what if I space was... where you can take the words that i'm about to tell you right now actually thanks for reaching out but i'm, I'm actually at capacity slash supporting someone else <laughs> thank you okay what were you gonna oh. say before that I'll say, wouldn't it be funny if I was just like, actually, no, let's not talk about that. Like, let's just, let's just vibe. You Don't swerved, harsh the vibe. <laughs> you, you swerved me. We yeah, just swerved chat. because you were harsh. You were harshing the vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So we, in honor of the great American holiday Thanksgiving, we thought it love would that be, one. love it. It's thriving. It's vibing. Uh, we thought it would be yeah, good to talk about. Thanksgiving is a holiday that's um, uh, been doing great work and is being noticed more and more. Maybe second week in a row, you've used that joke. <laughs> it's such a good one. It is. Uh, we thought we would discuss and talk about and chat about the differences and what it means, what patriotism, what nationalism, and what Americanism mean, and why some of those are good and why some of those are bad and heresies because i mean it's pretty easy to kind of think they're all in, all the same and I, they they can be all in the same realm but they're definitely not all the same obviously um so where do you want to start do you want to start with americanism and work our way through the others or do you want to start with patriotism I think Americanism is is more easy to pin down, so we could start there. I think. Okay. Okay. So. Americanism. So Americanism. Um, it's it, it, it's a heresy. It's been thrown Zach. around. Right. It is a heresy. Lately, the term's been thrown around, and it's being aimed at kind of the American online mad guys, like like the angry, you know, Timothy Gordon types, um, like which is turn what continue well so it's being thrown around at basically people who are american and are catholic and say things that the other person disagrees with and they tend Mm. to be critics of pope francis so basically americans who criticize pope francis are being kind of just called americanism or americanists on twitter and the only problem with that is that you know americanism is a, a heresy that was suppressed by Pope Leo the Thirteenth, and it, it does have a definition, and it's it's so it's not just any American with bad views, you know. Right. So it's it's the idea that uh, it has to do with the idea of modernism and classical liberalism, right? Those are condemned. And right. If you're basically that, uh, it has it plays in with the separation of church and state, right? So Pope Leo the Thirteenth 
lamented America for having the idea that the church and the state are dissevered and divorced, as he wrote. And he said that he preferred, as well as you know, the Catholic faith prefers, a closer relationship between the Catholic church and the state among what Europe had at the time. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the idea of the separation of church and state is something that the church has never been in favor of. And it is, you know, this idea that came about uh, for the exact reason we talk about the idea of this liberal mindset of freedom and, you know, choice. But again, the idea is that the Catholic Church is the church and the means to salvation. So it should not be separate from the ruling authority because the church should be the ruling authority. Right. Um, so, in the, and this is where it's interesting. So, in France, you had the French Republic and the decline of the influence of the French Church, and they weren't really sure what to do. You know, they obviously wanted to still be able to save souls and whatnot. And so, you know, with with the blessing of Pope Leo, the the French priests, you know, kind of looked to how things were happening in America, where you know priests were still being respected. They said, okay, well, America is a republic where there's this and that, yet their priests are essentially um, faring better than ours. So why mm-hmm. don't we, you know, try to emulate some of what we see there? And to a certain extent, this was um, successful. Um, but the problem is, is that there was an excess in America. So the, um, you know, in America, we had basically separation of church and state. And Pope Leo kind of described that as the church and the state were dissevered and divorced. Um, right. That, you know, a total separation and basically saying, you know, this isn't uh, a good thing, obviously. Um, you know, our Lord founded the church, you know, to be kind of a global hegemony and to, and to help lead mankind and then collectively the states uh, to God. And so, it, 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 you know, it's not really, um, it's not a good thing when the state doesn't look to the church for guidance on moral issues. Um, and so, you know, that was essentially, but the, the American church had started to sort of, um, see this as good in itself. It was good at America because the only possible alternative was that the church would be completely, um, restricted and shut out of society because America was so thoroughly Protestant. So like Mm -hmm. the leniency had immediate benefits, but that to think that it's a good thing just in and of itself to have this separation um, is bad. And so I think Pope Leo said um, that, you know, the church would bring forth more abundant fruits if, in addition to liberty, she enjoyed the favor of the laws and the patronage of the public authority. Um, So saying, yes, the liberty has been good, but the church still should be supported by the laws and and the state. in order to fulfill its mission. And the American hierarchy tended to see that as, you know, not what they wanted. So that, if does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because okay. the, the political landscape was so different from what was going on in Europe, where the church, you know, the, the idea of monarchy, we basically, they came over to escape the idea of monarchy, right? So they weren't going to have it here. So it just took on a whole... A whole different nature and the whole the whole thing looked completely different right and you know it's important you know the the catholicism had 
had for a very long time allowed nations to tolerate other religions. And to some extent, that was always the case in Catholic history, that the church, you know, wasn't, you know, saying that every other religion had to be absolutely and completely suppressed, but it was saying that um, the, the church must be favored by law, you know, by the state for being the one true church, but that, you know, that doesn't mean you have to suppress everything else, because, you know, a lot of times that doesn't serve the common good and it, it doesn't benefit, it doesn't bring people to God to go about it that way. Um, and so they right. can, the only can dif- be done. Yeah, the only difference, obviously, was when you, the America put no preference on anything, like everything was just kind of like a go at your own, go at your own thing. There's no preferred, there is no preferred way of doing something, right? Like, I mean, I, they claimed it, like it was clearly a Protestant country. So it, in some respects, that's going to overtake, they, a, a leader is going to emerge, right? Even if there is no, even if there is no written leader, but in this case, it wasn't Catholicism, uh, which obviously the church wants. Right. And so, you know, yeah, like we said, strategically, the best thing for the church at that point was just liberty, even if that liberty is being extended um, to, uh, you know, uh, other groups or groups trying to take people out of the church. Um, but that, yeah, the goal needs to be favoritism you know keeping in mind that the catholic church was founded by jesus christ and so you it it would be wrong for even under the law to say that it should be treated like a church that was founded by you know martin luther or john wesley or whomever um because you know these were just men so you know the law should recognize that you don't treat unlike things as like things and so there's you know a huge world of difference between the catholic church and then um any other kind of religious organization church type thing um so that's important. And so there were like four main points that because of the American mindset, the church, you know, it was sort of focused on the individual and it it sort of, it didn't, it didn't do a good job maintaining the church's sort of status as like, you know, our Holy mother, the church, um, the kind of the role that the church plays in this. And so the four points or tendencies are the um, undue insistence on interior initiative in the spiritual life that's leading to disobedience, which basically saying like, you know, it's all about what, what's in my heart. I don't have to actually, you know, be obedient to any legitimate authority. I just have to, like, think what I think. Um, there was an overall kind of thumbs down on religious orders in the modern world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, partially because, again, those are structures of obedience and, and vows and these types of things. And so that's, you know, difficult. And so, you know, wanting to say, you know, you should be, promoting religious orders and vows. Um, the other problematic tendency was a minimizing of Catholic doctrine. So, you know, basically... Oh, like, play, of, like, like uh, you know, being agreeable with other things or, like, kind of yeah. letting letting things... Yeah, pro, the Protestantization of everything. Right, like, be good to get along kind of thing, not... Um, yeah, and then, you know, minimize... You know, basically... Yeah, basically that, like saying, well, Catholic doctrine is, is only, you know, valuable insofar as it's agreeable, mm-hmm. um, and we should downplay that when we can, um, and then minimizing the importance of spiritual direction. And so, you know, I will say, since being Catholic, I have run into interesting conversations with people who they think it is strange to have a spiritual director or somebody who you, you know, go to for anything other than just recommendations. Like, they, they don't quite... They, it's like they almost see it as somehow inauthentic if if part of your religious practice is 
you know, instruction and you're not well, just that, simply trying to feel it out. Yeah. Well, that, I, but that, I, you can see why they would do that because that goes against the Liberty mindset, right? The like, right. Do do your thing, like find, you, know, you find be, your truth, you be you find your truth. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're asking someone, if you're doing something correctly, then you're not, you're not allowing yourself to trust yourself and be your full self. Right. Which is really stupid, but. Right. Um, and the, the interesting thing is that even though, uh, this is called Americanism, they actually, you know, they basically said, you know, if these tendencies are there, then they need to be condemned and that these seem to be a problem in America, but there weren't like any Americans named specifically as guilty of these heresies, which is why it's important to, to understand that Americanism isn't something where you have to be American to fall into it. Yeah. The yeah, idea yeah, is yeah. that it, it was sort of born out of the, the idea is, I guess it traces its origin back to the bill of rights and trying to, you know, for the church to try to get along in a society that isn't founded on Christian principles, like, like, uh, the U S and, um, yeah, right. It was a, and that, like, Americanism in is so much that it was a problem created that was born from America. Like it, it was a, something the church had to face because of the things that were going on in the country. Right. And, you know, in a sense, it'd almost be like, okay, let's say the church uh, throughout different times in evangelizing the world would, would, you know, find itself in the middle of cultures that were doing actual like human sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that these human sacrifices were happening, um, there were kind of two advantages to that is one, it, it did mean that the people had an understanding of, of sacrificial covenant type theology. So they begin to be able to understand Christ on the cross and Christ on the cross and, uh, you know, the Eucharist and those things. But then the other thing is it also made people, you know, eager to, to switch to something else so that they didn't have to keep being part of human sacrificing since that isn't <laughs> you something don't people say. like. Right. So to an extent, like that situation gave the church the ability to, to, you know, it sort of aided the church in its mission to evangelize souls, but then to turn around and say, no, it's actually good that these people were being sacrificed, um, that would be wrong. And this is where it's saying, yeah, in America, you guys have, you know, liberty because of separation of church and state, but you can't view separation of church and state as good of itself. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, right. And another thing I, I, when I was reading about this, I saw Pope Leo the Thirteenth. He... He said a few things. He said it was dangerous to expose children to schools that would prove to be detrimental to their Christian upbringing, which makes total sense. And But he also derided the idea that all opinions should be aired publicly as he felt certain speech could harm general morality, which is a very big crackdown on the classical liberalism ilk because right like uh, if if any of you if any tp usa people are listening i hope you're sitting down yeah but like that's that is the main argument against the idea of free speech is that you're you just you're saying things and that may have detrimental effect on others right and their way they're going about things like this idea that why you should be able to say whatever I want. Well, okay, but you're maybe you're risking your salvation and the salvation of others. And the idea you're 
the freedom to do so is not worth anybody's salvation, right? So like you, like you can't just say, well, I'm glad I have this freedom of speech, even if it costs me or someone else eternal life. Like that's silly. Right. So, the idea that there's some good in spreading bad and false ideas because somehow that's going to cause, um, you know, good and correct ideas to emerge. Um, it, it's not, that well so far that hasn't been the trajectory right like you know ideas that you know were part of the ancient world that you know were finally abandoned with the rise of um of christianity and the coming of jesus are 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 doing a lot better now under you know kind of this free speech free thought setup than they were doing before so i i think the idea that that giving treating you know good and bad things as equal and giving them all the same you know, rights somehow mm-hmm. magically means that the good stuff wins out like that. That doesn't pan out in reality. Well, that, I mean, it's just a, it's just ignoring the idea of humanity for our entire history, right? Like bad, you give humans a choice between the good and the bad. The bad somehow finds a way to win because the bad is more appealing to our lower appetites and like our base emotions, right? And pleasure. Right. So, yeah. So we, of course, like, we and yeah all right what were you gonna say do you have something um no i mean i was just saying yeah i mean but that's you know the fundamental kind of um thing i I think a lot of people especially americans and you know myself when i first came across a lot of this it is kind of strange to say okay yeah from a you know a catholic perspective there's actually you know there is no there's not a freedom of speech and it would be um kind of unnatural for a government to assert that there is yeah and you know at the end of the day you can't have a right to do something that is itself wrong so you can't have a right to spread false ideas um error has no rights zach well right and that's important to remember though because i mean you don't you don't have to treat good and bad things the same you don't have to treat true and false things the same um but there there's this like brainworm that people have under under liberalism you know broadly speaking like classical liberalism that says that you you have to treat true and false ideas true and false religions um the same and you have to act like you know you don't know that you know who who's to say you know blah 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 (laughs) and you know that's that just isn't i mean you know because you know, God, you know, took his time to actually come to earth and become human and enter history. We don't, we don't have to say who's to know or who's to say, like we, right. we do know who to turn to for these things. And so that's where, um, that's where that's important. But yeah, you know, you hear that for the first time and you've had, you know, how many years of, um, you know, American schools talking about the bill of rights as if it, you know, came down from, you know, Mount yeah, that, Sinai. And then you're like, right. That was the, um, that was the, divinely inspired document yeah and people are like oh no it's more christian to have separation of church and state it's like well i, I hate to tell you this but um a <laughs> yeah. lot of christians became former christians after their after their countries adopted that separation and a lot of nuns were murdered in the process so you probably do want to you know it's a bit of a false statement and completely ignorant of history to say that separation of church and state has you know helped spread the gospel or has been you know good for mankind on really any level Mm -hmm. natural or supernatural 
yeah. mean, I guess for the for the Americans, they were they were mostly fearing kind of the Church of England, and so that does make sense. Um, you know, if you don't want people to be accused of witches and set on fire, mm-hmm. then yeah, you don't want the Church of England. Well, yeah, I mean, there's um, there is that. Like, we're there are real reasons why they escaped to go find a new land. Like, I'm not, you know. It, Right, they maybe, they maybe, weren't they weren't responding to Catholicism. That was a thing. Yeah, it, well, but in general too, like it's not. I don't want to downplay the idea that these people really were did, you know, good intention. I don't know. Right, I mean that. the first round though, but you know, people who came subsequent to America, like the Italians, they were escaping revolution that was bringing about separation of church and state. They were escaping the turmoil of. Um, Italian reunification and all these mm-hmm. things. So, the, yeah, the first round, they were escaping what they sort of saw as, um, you know, kind of a tyrannical church authority. But all of the subsequent uh, waves of migration were people escaping revolution. Um, they were leaving because of the chaos that came about when these ideas were being applied to Catholic societies. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's, that's another thing that people tend to... Um, kind of overlook is you know there's this big everyone knows there's this big rush of italian immigrants and they that was as italy was you know being ravaged by masons and having the separation of church and state put in place and all these things and you know the people because it you know they were trying to escape that and they brought it to pizza yeah you know likey <laughs> um uh, okay, so let's do that. Let's go to nationalism, uh, because that is another thing that we hear about. We hear about the, the, the people are always talking about white nationalists. They're talking about, uh, you know, the people like that. That's It's a hot-button issue. It's a hot-button topic. So what do we got? What do we got as far as nationalists? Or? Well, I think to, like, define your terms, so, like, St. Thomas you know, teaches and what's always kind of been understood is that patriotism is a virtue. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say we can talk, we can talk about that too. And that the, you know, like most virtues, the opposing vices or sins are things that are on the excess side and things that are on the defect side. And Mm -hmm. so the excess of patriotism, the vice that opposes it, in fact, is nationalism. Okay. Um, And so it, you know, but so that's where, nationalism has always been understood as um at at the very least a vice but in action almost always a sin um and you know it's even is it basically the belief that america we'll just say america because we live here but like america is better because it was divinely inspired and has some greater divine right to be a country uh over other countries well Yes and no. I mean, I think a lot of it, too, has to do with sovereignty, the idea that, like, your nation is completely sovereign from all other nations. So a lot of times nationalism, like, if you look in the the English nationalism, is one of the things that led to them having the Reformation because they didn't want um, Rome or the Pope, you know, to have influence because, you know, the Pope, the you know, the, the Holy See is in Italy. It's not an English institution. And so it shouldn't have any... Uh, any sway over the English. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it is, it's not even so much because like you could be a nationalist, generally speaking, and just think that each nation should have all of these same sovereignties. Uh, and that would still be a problem. Um, 
you know, and a lot of times it's hard because nation, like the term nation doesn't always mean like a structure. Um, before nation states, you still would have the concept of a nation, which would usually be things like sharing a common language or, or certain different um, ideas. And so it's it's hard to say when a nation ends and a race begins or like how, how a nation and a race are separate. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little different in America just because you did have, you know, people from a handful of countries or different nations coming here. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of those things where like, okay, you know, you know, broadly speaking, you didn't always have a German state, but you had people who were understood as being Germans. And so, the, you know, the German nation is kind of like the German people. Um, in it's tricky in the U.S. because we we use the term state to refer to like our states, like the fifty states, and then nation to refer to the federal government. Mm-hmm. So it not, a lot of that doesn't quite translate the way that we sort of conflate nation with state with this, with that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, part of it's the superiority of your nation. And then the other part is just the, seeing the nation as, as like a true, um, uh, way of dividing people and sovereignty and that, you know, the nation is the highest authority that people have to submit to. Um, whereas, you know, the Catholic perspective would say that the church is the highest authority that mankind um, submits to, and the church is universal. So at its core, it, it's not, it's, it's anti-nationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the very first council, uh, Council of Jerusalem in the Bible, was over issues like circumcision, et cetera, and basically saying, you know, do, do the national practices of Jewish Christians have to apply to the whole church and the Judaizers and stuff? So you kind of see nationalism there. Um, you know, Martin Luther, when he was doing his thing, his mo- his movement caught steam because the German princes saw it as a way to eliminate the the oversight of Rome. So nationalism was what fueled Lutheranism. Obviously, we know nationalism was essentially the entire basis of the English Reformation. The, the king didn't like having to answer to anybody but himself. And so, you know, in order for the English people to, to be you know, free from outside involvement, they had to get rid of um, the Catholics and replace it with Anglicanism. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can kind of see that with Catholicism being universal and, you know, with the idea that, you know, Christ is the one way, truth, and life, and that his his one vicar on earth is the Pope, um, an idea that entirely rests on nationalism can't be compatible with Catholicism. And that, yeah, so that's why the idea of Catholic nationalism isn't necessarily a thing. Like, if we became a Catholic country, it wouldn't be Catholic nationalism because Catholicism doesn't stop at the national level. Right, and this is one of the problems that you run into now, and it's been a problem for, uh, you know, at least a century and probably longer, but is that a lot of people, they view Catholicism as good because it's part of their national heritage, and therefore... They need to stick to it. Um, that is, that was one of the problems in the early 20th century is that the groups that were the political factions who were friendly towards the church, at the, ultimately they saw the church as part of their co- sort of heritage, um, their national identity. It was like an identity politics type thing. Like a, um, uh, Ireland, probably. Yeah, well, or, like the big thing was like Spain. Like a lot of people don't seem to understand okay. why... There were problems with 
Spanish nationalists, since the Spanish nationalists were overall friendlier to Catholicism and the the church to a point. Um, and, you know, the issue is, is that they weren't really interested in Catholicism. They were interested in, you know, Spanish nationalism, and they just saw, you know, part of being Spanish would have been speaking Spanish and doing this and, of course, being Catholic, but they weren't interested in listening to the actually existing church. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this same problem in France, and you had this um, this group called French Action who were, you know, they were opposing things like socialism. They were opposing, you know, things like republicanism, you know, separation of church and state. On a lot of issues, they were right. But at the end of the day, what they wanted came down to Catholicism being part of their identity. And they they weren't ever willing to really listen to the church. And so Pope Pius XI, my favorite pope of the 20th century, um, you know, suppressed that movement. And the interesting thing is that Basically, I, I kind of look at it as sort of the Steve Bannon thing. Like, Steve Bannon doesn't really give any indication of having any sort of piety or prayer life or whatever. Maybe he does. I don't know. They're just, a, But he sees, you know, Catholicism as the great heritage of the West or this great, you know, thing. And so he, he sees it as a structure to serve his own ends, um, not as the ultimate good. And, you know, that's not new. That's been done before in the past. And it's funny because the same popes, you know, Pope Pius XI was one of the most, and he's the one that wrote the encyclical condemning, um, you know, atheistic communism. And, you know, when a lot of people point to the incompatibility between Catholicism and socialism or communism, they point to Pope Pius XI. But then they also realize he had a track record of suppressing actual nationalists. Like Steve Bannon would have been kneecapped by Pope Pius XI. And like the (laughs) men that Steve Bannon looks to for influence were either Mm -hmm. excommunicated or their movements were suppressed or whatever so that the church has never um the church is currently like pope francis is friendlier to nationalists than his predecessors because of he kind of works on a basis of dialogue but you know i think one of the reasons you don't have a 20th century document explicitly condemning nationalism is because everyone just knew this was a problem and that you couldn't possibly um you know you couldn't have nationalism and Catholicism that they, these are opposing in like their, even just in their definitions. Um, And so, but so that's where a lot of these sort of right wing movements that pay lip service to Catholics and they have a lot of Catholics supporting them. Mm -hmm. um, They veer off course because of nationalism. And so, you know, some people will say that the, you know, Catholic Twitter or left cast or whatever, are too aggressive in their anti-nationalism, um, which that could be the case. But I think if you look historically, a lot of really great, well, a lot of what could be great movements that really energize a lot of faithful Catholics veered off into nationalism because of the, the people leading the movements. That's what they were after. Um, and then the church condemned them because they were now, you know, they were, they were now opposed to, to actual Catholicism. They were just wanting to sort of further their um, their group, their nation, their race, their whatever it was. Um, and so, you know, this is sort of the problem with forming coalitions as Catholics with other, um, with non-Catholics, especially, like we've said for months now, ones that really uh, chain themselves to this whole idea of Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Because that very quickly 
you know, Western civilization very quickly just evolves into like, well, what exactly is it? Is it is it Catholicism? Is it Christendom? Well, no, it's more than. And eventually, you just land on it. It just means being white. And so, just because a lot of countries, even though it's basically there's this whole danger with nationalism, and it, it is something to carefully avoid, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. No, that because it, it gets too muddled. It the it gets muddled, as, like you said, as far as what it really is about. If it's about actual Catholicism, or if it's about using Catholicism as like an a you know something to put a blanket over all the other stuff you're trying to march into the the arena right like a catholic blanket and underneath the blanket is everything else um right which and we talked about how a lot of these people they 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 use some of the you know possibly legitimate concerns about pope francis about documents like amoris letizia as kind of their their first complaint but then they immediately pivot to issues like immigration or um, you know, this, that, and the other that are kind of more standard right-wing talking points. And then you kind of look at them as individuals and they're on like their third wife or whatever. And you're like, well, how much do these people really care about, you know, the sacrament of matrimony? And how much is their complaint? Is it really a Morris Letizia or is that just kind of their gateway drug to get people behind them and then, you know, bo- boost their movement? So, it, you know, that's why I think a lot of times people get sort of bamboozled by these guys. And so sometimes, you know, plenty of great things have been accomplished by less than great people mm-hmm. but i mean the 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 main theological issue people take with pope francis is on amoris letizia um if the main critics of him are themselves not uh not uh super interested at least outwardly in the sacrament of marriage um you start asking yourselves questions and you know how long before they switch the topic to refugees or immigrants or you know whatever right yeah nationalism nationalists they're they're sneaky (laughs) yeah they are very sneaky patriotism is the actual virtue uh and patriotism kind of falls under the fourth commandment patriotism is okay patriotism now i think the the okay version of patriotism is the idea that we are we live we live in a country and we are here and we have to respect this country and we have to respect the assets of the country and the things that come within the country and the people within the country, right? Like it's, it's a general caring for what we have been given and where we, where we have been placed and um, what we are expected to do, right? It doesn't, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't have to, be in tears tears of joy every time you see the flag or you don't have like you can it doesn't mean you can't be critical of the military or the president or the leaders right it just means like at the very least you have to understand that we we have we have been birthed into a scenario and we had there is resources and there are other people and there are other things that come and exist in this country with us and we have to respect that Right. And, you know, it's again, it's sort of expanding on the idea of the fourth commandment of honor that your mother and father, you know, you, you so assert you so a certain amount of piety or respect towards um, your elders and your ancestry and your heritage. And, you know, if you see pictures of your grandparents, you kind of think, oh, you know, those are my grandparents. That's great. Knowing that, you know, everybody has their flaws and 
you know, nobody's grandparents, other than mine, of course, uh, were perfect. Um, and it, it's a certain sort of love for your fatherland, a piety for the 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 heritage and the people that have come before you. It's um, that's that's kind of what it's about. Like if you try to bottle that up into lots of other things, yeah. And so you're only patriotic if you support, um, you know, this sort of like semi war in Syria, you know, like that, at that point it's like, well, we're clearly not talking about patriotism properly understood. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's a love for, I mean, really the stuff that, you know, it's kind of the apple pie stuff. It's like the, a love for the, the good things about the people that came before you and, and carrying forth what, what was good about them. Um, and so I would say, you know, you have to just love every, like a a shortcut is just to say, love all the Catholic things about your country (laughs) and seek to expand them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, so, you know, saints who are from America, um, soon to be saint, uh, or not soon. We don't know how long it'll take, but like St. Fulton Fulton Sheen, um, you know, it, it would make sense under, under, you know, patriotism as an American to take note of him and, um, you know, because he's an American saint. Yeah, and that's saint, why it's um, cool to celebrate the yeah, like Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton or and other other merit. Like yeah, that's why we should be proud that they are our representatives, more or less, right? Right. Um, it, it, patriotism at the end of the day is a, is not a virtue that comes with teeth. So any sort of definition that people give you that says, well, because of patriotism, you have to support something that would otherwise be awful you can kind of know that's not the case. Like it is, it is not a, uh, it's not a virtue that, that justifies other, uh, justifies evils or, you know, means you have to support, you know, nuking Japan or, or whatever. Um, it, it, it's a virtue about kind of love for your fatherland and the people that came. It's a, it's a good virtue. It's a positive, all the virtues are good, but it, Mm -hmm. it's, if it's no longer kind of, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like charming, then you've probably kind of veered off the course. Love it or leave it, Zach. Love it or leave it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, Speaking of, uh, what were we just talking about? Patriotism. That's the one. Yeah. Breaking news, Zach. What about Patreontism? Breaking news, Zach. Real, actual breaking news. Kamala Harris has dropped out of the (gasps) Democratic electoral process. Uh, oh man, I just okay, yeah. She's someone said Kamala Harris is leaving the campaign trail to spend more time arresting families. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we have to get those in while we can. We, you know, it, we had a lot of we had a lot of we had a lot of fun at her expense. But let me. We ju- said this. I said that on this weekend's podcast. I'm sure the announcement is forthcoming. There we go. Yeah. Let me just Sorry. take a moment, in all honesty, to remember all the good things Kamala Harris does. All right, so anyway, you want to have a Saints of the Week? Let's hear it. <laughs> All right. Is it going to be an American saint because we did patriotism or? Uh, I am not sorry. That I'm not that smart. I just put you on the spot like that. Threw you under the bus in front of the listeners. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, St. Ambrose. He is not an American saint. In fact... He, uh, America, America had not even been invented yet when he was around. Gotcha. He was born in either 337 or 340 or somewhere in between in what is now Germany. And he died April 4th, 
397 in what is now Milan. His feast day is December 7th. He is the patron of beekeepers, bees, bishops, candle makers, domestic animals, geese, learning, livestock, Milan, police officers, students, and wax refiners. He is one of the four original doctors of the church, and he is most notable for his influence over St. Augustine. Uh, he is going to be the, he is at, not going to be, is currently uh, the, the name uh, inspiration for one of our friend of the show's babies who will be arriving next year. I'm not sure if she if she said the name of her child, so I don't know if I want to say it or who it is, but I'm sure you can figure it out. And he is credited sure. he's credited credited with promoting antiphonal chant, a style of oh. chanting in which one side of the choir responds alternately to the other. It's oh wow, like, that's what you see like any monastery I've been to. That's what they do. It's like at Oklahoma games where one side of the crowd says boomer and the other side says sooner zach so true that's what they do i would imagine they do uh yeah he is uh he's a he's a good man this saint ambrose i don't know if you've heard of him or if you like him but if you haven't heard of him you should and if you don't like him you also should uh can you name the four latin doctors of the church He's um, one of Okay. So that's one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you, do you know how to say, pronounce his name in Latin? I want to hear your best attempt. Ambrose? Yeah. I can hardly pronounce names in English. Fair. So what? I'm thinking it's, you're going to have Ambrose, Jerome, um, Augustine. Yeah. Uh, Clement or no? I don't know. Ignate, uh, no, who's the fourth one? Gregory the Great. I knew it. Yeah, makes sense when you think about it. Uh, also, Ambrose was a staunch opponent of Arianism. Nice, which, which is always good. So yeah, uh, did I say his feast day, December seventh? So that's uh. That's about it. I mean, there's tons of tons of stuff on him, but that's right. I mean, he's one of the like very famous. He, yeah, Saint Ambrose is an example of a saint who's done great work and is being recognized more and more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we uh, just get right on out of town? I say no. I think we've got it all. All right. Well. uh you know, best of luck to you on all your ventures this week, Zach. We're really rooting for you, and we just wanted to know that you're loved and you're. Uh, we have your back. Nothing. Zach's not doing anything like out of the ordinary. I just wanted to remind him of all that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad to know that you're all behind me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>